What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for November 4th, 2019. I am your host, Imran Khan, and joining me today is Mr. 30 Under 30, the hopefully well-rested Tim Geddes. How are you? I slept till 2 p.m. yesterday. And now here's the thing. <laughs> for me, that's not that big of a deal. Uh -huh. But you got to keep in mind daylight savings time. So I actually slept till 3, uh -huh. right? Again, not that big of a deal. That is, that's a little long for me, but still... In the range of understandability, right? Yeah. Gia Tap Harris was the one that woke me up because she also woke up and looked at her phone and did not believe that she slept till 2 p.m. And I had to show her three different sources showing the time for her <laughs> to believe that she had somehow managed to sleep that long. You guys had a rough Saturday night. We did. It wasn't rough. It was fun. <laughs> very fun. It was a very fun Saturday night. We were at a wedding uh -huh. while you guys were doing Extra Life. The whole time, I had my phone under the table looking what's going on. I'm like, I'm <laughs> jealous I'm not there. That looked, Not that the wedding wasn't fun. It was fun. But this, I was like, I got to I got to go. We got to go. So yeah. we had two options. Either pop by, say hi, and leave, or do what we did. Which was come into Extra Life mm -hmm. and have a, have a fucking ball, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. We played fishbowl. We, we a did. lot of things came out. Yeah, personal things. Mm -hmm. It was how a big late, yeah. It how was. How late did you guys stay? It's a good question. <laughs> I remember you guys leaving around two, but granted, by like between midnight and six a.m., I just totally lost track of all time. Yeah. So around, you were there like the entire time. I was. You're crazy. Yeah, I was there the entire time. I was on camera for I want to say like twenty three hours of it. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that, that's insane. Did you go to sleep at all? No, huh? I, I went to sleep when I went home. I figured, like, so I told myself, oh, I'll leave when I get tired. By the time I got tired, it was about 4 a.m., so I was like, why not just stay? Like, for, oh, man. for the gigantic children. For those gigantic kids, those big, those, beautiful those kids. Thank you guys all for supporting this entire weekend, the Extra Life shenanigans. Uh, the, they roll on. Next week, OK Beast is doing their 24-hour stream mm -hmm. in support of Kind of Funny. So yeah. doing pretty well. Yeah, our team did great. I think we were beating Reddit at one point. Wow. I know we beat Canada, like the entirety of Canada. Hell yeah. Did we beat Edmonton? We did beat Edmonton towards the end of <laughs> around morning time. Yeah, I love it. I Hell love yeah, it. suck at Edmonton. <laughs> but you can also still keep donating. I think till December. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, feel free to keep doing it. Let's keep Edmonton yeah. down. Let's, Let's do it together. Keep oppressing Edmonton. That Let's is our it. message. This is Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, where we run you through all the nerdy video game news that's fit to hear. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. To be part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, or listen later by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily on podcast services around the globe. Today's stories include everything from BlizzCon that happened on Friday, Kojima plans to make movies, more, Shen movies. more movies, and Shenmue 2 plans to keep on trucking. First, a little housekeeping, though. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Matthew, Carolina, Blackjack, Zach Parsley, and Mohammed Mohammed. They're multiplying. How They're is there so many of you? We need more. We need always more. We do need more. more. We do we need, need to more. Always, but like, thank you, thank you all to the the new the new names here: Matthew, Carolina, Zach Parsley. All you are fantastic, and to the the veterans, Blackjack, Muhammad, Muhammad. We appreciate you. We're all very appreciative. Mm -hmm. Today, we're brought to you also by Manscaped and Hymns. But Tim will tell you about that later. That's what I do. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> time for some news. We got five stories today. A baker's dozen! So I put this in a weird order because I want to talk about the games first before we get to the part where we talk about how the game stuff is bullshit. 
<laughs> everything we learned about Diablo 4, which was announced on Friday at BlizzCon. This is from Eurogamer by Rod- Robert Purchase. The big, uh, so I kind of t- nipped and talked a little here. The biggest idea of Diablo 4 is a non-linear shared open world, which means for the first time ever, we won't be going from Act 1 to Act 2 to Act 3 and unlocking a new area each time. Now we'll be, going free, we'll be free to go wherever we want. There will be a story running through it about Mephisto's daughter Lilith, who you saw in the trailer, who's the mother of humanity, but you'll be able to meander away from it as in o- other open world games. What's more, other players will show up in your game, which means, controversially, you will not be able to play Diablo 4 offline. Quote, Currently, we don't have plans for that because we feel these features just add so much for the game, senior producer Tiffany Watt told me. It's really important to build that experience and keep you immersed in the world and have these public events and opportunities to trade with other players. So how does that shared world work? It will focus on certain areas of content where players will be more likely to appear. I don't know how you opt in or how you join the games. In the demo, it was automatically a shared world. We didn't have to okay anything, and several players appeared at a world boss, which we killed and earned, I think, our own individual loot. Think of our shared world events in a game like Destiny. It's like that. Nevertheless, I think it was a promising showing. Diablo 4 is solid and fluid and wonderfully animated and brought to life, so much so that it's easy to assume it's further along in the development than it is. Remember, this time there's a whole open world our whole open world to build. We're not coming out soon, not even Blizzard soon, said game director Luis Bariga in the <laughs> panel. It, I wouldn't expect Diablo 4 until at least 2021 then, which puts it squarely in next-gen console territory. It's only been announced for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, but you can safely assume it will um, embrace the new machines. Think of what Blizzard did with Diablo 3 on PS3 and Xbox 360, then Diablo 4 Ultimate Evil Edition on PS4 and Xbox One. So, Tim, are you much of a Diablo fan at all? I am not. Uh, this, uh, the kid that grew up across the street from me was mm-hmm. super into it. He was a PC, or his older brother was mm-hmm. a PC gamer. Right. Um, in a way that that just felt way too advanced <laughs> for my simple young brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much has changed. Um, but with Diablo, I always thought it was fun to watch him play. Like I remember the the, the butcher mm-hmm. in the in the first game is one of the little bosses there, and uh, that I was always intrigued by it. When Diablo two came out, it was such a phenomenon. And then when three came out, I felt like it kind of became a lot more mainstream. And and it, I wonder if the consoles had much to do with that. Um, but I I never really partook in it. Yeah, I like they had Diablo three on PC, and it was like okay, this is Diablo three. It had the real money auction house. It's just like a controversial thing at the time that they ended up re- undoing over and the time. art style was uh yeah so that was another thing too. did you watch the actual like announcement reveal of this the, thing? like 40 minute movie mm, well that too but also that's all i, I saw Greg they, was watching it the producer i think the producer might have been creative director i didn't catch his title came out afterwards and just kept using the word diablo is dark again diablo yeah, yeah, is yeah. so dark it's dark 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 and i was like you don't need to keep saying this. This mm-hmm. is, I kind of get where you're going, and I think it was like an apology, quote-unquote, about Diablo 3 and how that game was colorful, and people mm-hmm. reacted very badly to that. Reminds me a lot of Wind Waker. Right. Right, where it's like everyone had Ocarina of Time, and they loved it, and they wanted more of that, and when they saw Wind Waker, everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. And then Twilight Princess happened. Right. And now let's look how time treats those games, right? It's a weird thing, especially here, because this is, Diablo 3 was... What was it? It was a long-ass time ago. It was... I, I should have looked up the exact date. But it was a, a decent enough time ago that to have a... It must have been 2011. Right. If it hit right? PS3 and 360, it almost... Later. Yeah. Yeah. It almost certainly would have been. But it's weird to be making that apology now. Mm-hmm. To be saying, like, 
hey, we heard you that many years ago. This time we're doing it differently for such a superficial thing that everyone kind of got over, I think. Mm-hmm. Of okay, yeah, actually, totally. actually, this game is not all sunshine and rainbows. There's, you know, legitimately was a decent art style that was chosen. For all the the rumors about Diablo 4 over the years, for Diablo 4 has come in, they really want to change it up. They're really making it something new. For it to be that similar looking to Diablo 3, mm-hmm. it just now it looks all washed out. Yeah. It's a little disappointing. Like Their big thing now appears to be it's a big open come in, come out world. I, I, I mean, granted, we don't know that much about it. We just got that announcement in the panels and all that stuff. But it does look like, to me, as someone outside looking in and not a huge Diablo fan, of this is what we were waiting for? This is what you couldn't announce last year? So that that is interesting. And I mean, I feel like with them saying that it's not coming anytime soon, it's mm-hmm. like that maybe there was something there. Because we've heard so many rumors about this game's development kind of being restarted, right? right? I wonder when exactly that happened where they didn't want to announce it last year because they're like, it's really not coming for a long time, right? right. Just timing-wise. Coming out with that this information then, and then nothing this year might not be the best look. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what Diablo players are looking for, I feel like with Diablo Four making these choices, it's a direct answer to like, well, where are games now? And I feel like the online only stuff is very scary in when in those words. Yeah. But in terms of what this game actually is and plays like, I feel like that might be a good call. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong about that, but like, I feel like this is like the Diablo fan base are connected right so this seems like it would be a good a good call to be like you know what we're making the decision to make sure that this is the best possible experience for the people that are actually going to play the game the way that it's being designed in that vein they did not announce a switch version of this game famously last year they were like okay diablo 3 on switch is a huge big thing we're going to spend a non-significant time over it. like that was their make good for diablo immortal yeah. last year was hey we got this game on switch now do you think the online portion is part of the reason they haven't announced that? No, because it seems like a lot of uh, developers don't really care that the Switch is online isn't right. up to par. Like, look at Overwatch, right? It took a while, but yeah. Activision Blizzard are getting it there. True. Yeah. Um, so I feel like in time it will come. I think that they realize that the Switch is definitely the lowest priority mm-hmm. in terms of making sure that it gets there, but it's also important to get it there because it's an easy way to make a lot of money. Right. And I assume, like, the, the article does kind of make mention of it, but this will probably come to PS5 and Project Scarlet, too. Yeah, like, definitely. If it's, if it's not even Blizzard soon, then, yeah, 2021 is probably an optimistic date yeah, for it. 100%. And by that point, who's still playing their PS4 and Project Scarlet? Yeah. Or their Xbox One? Yeah, I'm I, sure a lot of people are, but not, yeah. I think it'll definitely be playable on those systems one mm-hmm. way or another. Uh, before we get to the next story, someone on Reddit last week mentioned we never introduced the producers. Kevin, how are you doing today? Good, good. Doing uh, killer haircut. Killer haircut. Thank you. Did you get it cleaned up after Extra Life? No. <laughs> this is what this is. What, You're just rocking uh, that one. Yeah, Andy yeah, did a good show job. The, show the people. Yeah. You and can I also sh- step out on the camera if you want to. No, I'm just gonna adjust this guy. Give me a second. At Extra right. Life, uh, at Kev- Andy cut Kevin's hair, mm-hmm. and I think it looks great. How yeah. do you feel about it, Kev? I'm very very happy with it. There was a point where it was a mullet mid haircut. No, it was great too. Anthony Carboni, who did join us, cute was, little boy. He was trying so hard to get the. Yeah, it looks great. It looks fantastic. He was trying so hard to get Kevin to keep the mullet. He looked you the the memes of you looking like Eugene from Walking Dead are, <laughs> are so spot on. I I liked the one where he looked like a an angry woman wanting mm-hmm. to speak to the mm-hmm. manager. And if you want, you guys can grow out your hair and look like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
just stop mid haircut every couple of to f- film some memes. Yep. Yep, it will work yep. out. Overwatch two was also announced, and this is from Polygon story. Overwatch two's biggest changes from the original Overwatch from Nicole Par- Carpenter at Polygon. Overwatch is changing. Specifically, it's getting a sequel, and that means visual and gameplay updates for Blizzard's most popular first-person shooter. During BlizzCon 2019's opening ceremony, Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan gave players a peek into Overwatch 2, which does not currently have a release date, window, or platforms. There's a lot changing from visual upgrades to new maps to game modes. Of course, there are also new co-op story missions with new replayable hero missions uh, featuring enemy factions to take on. Multiplayer is sticking around, and players will be able to choose from a cast of at least 32 heroes. One of the more interesting parts is how this will impact Overwatch players. For its player versus multiplayer, it won't. Uh, it, Overwatch owners will receive all competitive updates and play, play side-by-side with Overwatch 2 players. Blizzard also said Overwatch 2 cosmetics will transfer over to Overwatch... Or Overwatch 1 cosmetics will transfer over to Overwatch 2, but not necessarily the reverse. Story missions include intense, high-stakes four-player missions, says Blizzard. New competitive updates. For one, it's adding a new game type called Push. Push unfolds on a symmetrical map where players... Bat- our teams battle to take control of a robot that begins at a central location and push it towards a, the enemy base. Teams will fight for control over the robot over the course of the map, but the team that pushes the robot furthest into the enemy base wins. That sounds like Splatoon's... Or like the snail yeah, Killer Queen. Yeah, that fucking awesome <laughs> snail that that other team just could not get their handle on. Uh, customization options. Each of Overwatch 2's heroes will have customization options that supercharge their abilities in co-op play, Blizzard said. That means a character like Reinhardt will be able to alter it his fire strike ability to ignite nearby enemies. Tracer, on the other hand, will get an option for a pulse bomb upgrade to cause a devastating chain reaction. New heroes. Overwatch 2 will feature multiple new heroes alongside Overwatch's original 31, according to the new release. The first one, Sojourn, was announced during the BlizzCon. They also had uh, Echo, that robot lady. Visual changes. All of Overwatch's heroes are getting visual upgrades. So far, a few were shown off on the Overwatch website for Lucio, Mercy, Reinhardt, Winston, Tracer, Genji, and May. Quote, Overwatch 2 evolves the look and feel of the world with more dynamic environments, larger-scale battles, additional in-game, in-game storytelling events, and improved atmospheric, atmospheric effects and shadows, Blizzard wrote on the website. Heroes in Overwatch 2 will also have a brand new look with greater detail and higher fidelity. The game is coming to Windows, PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. So this is the worst-kept secret in the world. Mm-hmm. They, This was leaked, I think, in Kotaku, God, what was it, like six fucking months ago? Uh, then they've leaked it basically maybe intentionally over and over and over in the last week. It's weird to me to call it Overwatch 2, but it there was an ESPN story last week that talked about it as well. But it was, uh, oh, it's not going to be Overwatch 2, it's going to be Overwatch Chapter 2. And looking at it, I kind of see why they thought that. Because, mm. like, they're really trying to keep the two games connected. If you have Overwatch, you can still play Overwatch. You're not going to split the user base, all that stuff. What kind of do you think that's a good call, or do you think it's better to just make a Call of Duty style split? So here's the thing: Did you watch the announced trailer? Yeah, it's the most hype thing in the fucking world. I <laughs> love the art style that yes. Overwatch has. I love the little CG shorts that they they put out every single time that they put one out. I watch it, and they always impress me. Where I love the world that this game has, the characters that they're the and the teams that they're building and all this stuff. And this trailer felt like such an amazing payoff to all of it. It's, Andy it, put it best when he he watched. He's like, Tim, you got to fucking watch this one. Mm. He's like, it it's an Avenger style moment. Yeah, it's um, basically it's the end of Endgame, basically. Yeah. And it is, I got, I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. The fucking end. And when they're like, does this mean Overwatch is back? I'm like, yeah, it is. And then the logo hits up. I'm like, all right, 
fuck yeah. You can't do that if the game's not two. I always right. make the arguments that, you know, Destiny kind of is in a weird place where it it keeps adding stuff and the game is changing, but when you just add Shadow Keep or add all this other stuff, I feel like to the to gamers that don't know that the game has changed that much, they look at it as just, oh, it's just DLC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a substantial update. It's not something that I need to, to care about. Adding a number just makes people care more. And I feel like with this, they're making enough changes, enough additions to justify it. However, it is a weird thing where I think they're making a good call of keeping the multiplayer the same, keeping the community all together, because that's something that splits people when you have the Call of Duty model. Right. And when people are going into Overwatch for that competitive side, you want to keep that all balanced, all keep it all the same, but also have enough content and to justify um, adding like you know a full retail price or not when games go on sale or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is this the best thing for consumers? I don't think so financially, but I think it is the best thing for consumers that are actually going to play this game and care about this game because it's going to make the community stronger. Right. The another option, one another road not taken was the way Fortnite just did it. Uh, hey, this is Fortnite Chapter 2. We're changing a lot of shit. We're like, we slowly have morphed the engine into something different over time. I mean, it's still Unreal Engine, but obviously yeah. they're, they're improving it over time. And it's just, okay, bam, this is Fortnite. We're doing this now. This is a lot more, we're overhauling Overwatch in a different way, but it looks very visually similar, mm-hmm. which, I mean, there's only so much you can do with that art style. And also, if you're still putting this stuff out on systems like Switch, mm-hmm. it's going to have to still mostly look the same. I guess the thing for me, yeah, that's true. But it's I like the focus on the story-based mission stuff yes. and the more PvE They absolutely have had to things. do that because like, they have not been able to insert that lore into the game well which at all. Which so, is so upsetting because it could be so damn cool. And I feel like this, this to me, tells, tells me that I should be confident in them making sure that it's worthwhile right. and making sure that there's enough content that's not just like one little thing here, one little thing there. Like we've kind of seen with Overwatch so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I, I want to support that type of decision making because they are going to add enough things that aren't in the original game that if they ever were put there, it would always be an afterthought. Put this stuff at the forefront of what Overwatch 2 is. Right. This is weird. We haven't seen something like this in video games before, um, but I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. Yeah, I could... When I saw that, I'm like, I'm definitely down for this thing. I don't. All my fr- the problem my I have is it's an ongoing games of service. You co-op with your friends and like you play through these story missions. I could not get my friends to stay focused on Overwatch enough. Mm. So will I get them to stay focused on this because it's a different thing? Is another question. But one I'm like interested to find out because I wanted I do want to play this. I know we talked about. I think it was two weeks ago when we started to talk about these rumors. You wanted an Overwatch campaign, mm-hmm. like a playthrough, a Titanfall two style thing. Yes. Plays all the characters and go through. Is this close enough to what you wanted? It's for me. No, mm-hmm. I want the campaign. I want like even more of a focus on these characters and learning, like kind of like the game teaching you how to play. Because like I'm be real, I'm not good at Overwatch <laughs> right. at all. I have fun playing it though, and I feel like that's where a campaign could really come in and make me better, but also like give me tastes of all the different heroes and their styles because they are so well designed. Like, mm-hmm. all of them are so cool and so fun to play when you you pop in. And, like, I think that this is a step towards that, but this is still the more, like, it, we're, we're seeing a focus on the multiplayer co-op type mm-hmm. missions. I want the option for single player, single player, but I get that I'm in a dwindling right. section of the community. Yeah, I think th- from their point of view, it is we don't want to keep making these things that get played once and then people are done. Mm-hmm. I think 
they probably don't even want to make it a Borderlands-style thing. They're like, all right, so they're done, so we can add a new map every so often, but really that doesn't encourage them to just keep playing always. So they it does look like a Left 4 Dead-style thing. Mm-hmm. I am curious how they're going to actually like... So now that they set the tone with that trailer, I want that yep. in the game. Oh, yeah. I want to be able to play that, and I want to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. So are they going to like push the story that way? Or is it going to be actually a Left 4 Dead-style thing where we're kind of getting hints of the world through their dialogue and through environmental storytelling? Knowing them with the... They're with the trailers that they have. I think that they're going to incorporate them into the game, but mm-hmm. how many and to what extent? Because I feel like it's going to be one of those things where the gameplay is not necessarily going to back up the the cinematics, where I wouldn't be surprised if you can play as characters in those missions that aren't necessarily in the mission, mm-hmm. in the in the trailer, in the videos, you mm-hmm. know, um, at least on repeat playthroughs, right? Um, but I, I'm interested to see where this goes. I feel like it has a high chance of not succeeding uh, Mm -hmm. critically because it it really is on them to prove that the two is worth it. Right. And it's their game to lose, I think, there. Because, like, they're the ones that are essentially like, hey, it's the same game, really, but, like, there is some more stuff, but is that more stuff worth full price? Yeah, I think it's definitely... It is a good call from a community standpoint of the players can play together regardless of which game they have. And it gets Overwatch 1 players a little jealous mm-hmm. of like, okay, I had that cosmetic. I can't get that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that new Genji design because now he has a hoodie. Yeah. So I want to like, maybe I'll upgrade. And when he fucking came through, man. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that hand slice. The hand when, when slice. When Tracy was, was popping up, when, yeah. when she said, I don't care how corny, it was just like, the cavalry's here. I right. was like, holy shit. Yeah, that was the Avengers Assemble moment. Let's go. I miss when Valve used to do stuff like that too. Like they they had some of the best written shorts because Team Fortress Two didn't have a story. Yeah, so we got this stuff through background, and Blizzard kind of copied that, but mm-hmm. it was it wasn't enough. Yeah, like, I wanted more of that stuff, and like then there was like the comics and the extraneous light novel stuff mm-hmm. they were doing, and it's like okay, well this is. Interesting, but why not put this in the game? Yeah, the characters and world are so interesting, and I've, I've always said, like, this would make a dope movie. Like, right. I feel like this could make an actually good video game movie. Yeah. Let's, when do you think, let's say they make an Overwatch 3. When do you think they should cut, start cutting off games from, all right, you're not in the multiplayer pool anymore? Is it a year count? Is it a game number count? What do you sorry? What do you mean? So like Overwatch one and two can play together. Yeah. Do Overwatch one, two, and three play together, or is just mean, Overwatch two and three? That I think is what what's interesting about where we're at now with multiplayer games is if they're going to commit to Overwatch as a game that keeps evolving, that is something that's going to be competitively played. It should always be the same core game. Anything that you add should either be extra, mm-hmm. like just content that you can play outside of it, or should be able to be backwards compatible, forwards compatible with all of it. Because Overwatch should be a game. Right. Right? Like, a, that itself should be one thing that, that goes through through everything, or else you're going to split the the base. Right. But on the other hand, let's say we're in the far-flung future of 2023. Mm-hmm. Overwatch 3 exists. Robots have, are controlling us. The world yeah. is dead. If they want to make a change, like, we, we really want to do this character. This character can fly above the map and bomb down or mm-hmm. whatever. But the engine for Overwatch 1 is holding us back. Mm. Do they just go, well, I guess that scuttles that character? I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I feel like Overwatch is in a very particular place because of Overwatch League. Right. Where they are, have committed already and I feel like need to see that through. So as long as that is working, I don't think that they're, they're going to 
add more to change it up because I feel like that would split things in right. the same way that we've seen like with Smash Melee and every subsequent Smash Brothers game, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, we'll see. Let's talk about a bit what tempered my excitement about all this stuff. <laughs> Jay Ellenbrack apologizes for Blizzard's, quote, tough Hearthstone esports moment. This is from Rev Valentine at gi.biz, uh, gamesindustry.biz. I chose this headline because it was one of the only ones that actually explained what he apologized for. The rest kind of got it wrong because they said he apologized for the Hong Kong thing. He did not directly. Today, at the start of the BlizzCon opening ceremonies, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack stepped on stage to apologize on behalf of the company for its recent handling of a, quote, tough Hearthstone esports moment, clearly referring to its controversial temporary ban of Hearthstone pro Chung Blitzchung Ning Wei. On last month, Ningwai, last month, we moved too quickly in our decision making, and then, to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk with all of you, he said. When I think about what I'm most unhappy about, there's really two things. The first one is, we didn't live up to the high standards that we set for ourselves. And the second is, we failed in our purpose. And for that, I'm sorry and I accept accountability. Brack went on to illustrate how BlizzCon is an example of the ideals the company aspires to with a diverse group of people from around the world getting together to celebrate video games. He then concluded by stating that Blizzard would have welcomed freedom of expression throughout the event, which IGN reports has already seen protest. Quote, we will do better going forward, but our actions are going to matter more than any words, Brack said. As you walk around this weekend, I hope it's clear how committed we are to everyone's right to explain, to express themselves in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. We've actually seen and heard many of you expressing yourself this morning. There was a laugh line in the audience, essentially, like a little giggle, I guess, after that. Blizzard initially banned Ingwai for 12 months and revoked his Hearthstone Grandmaster's winnings after he expressed interest or expressed support for protests in Hong Kong by shouting, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Age, during a post-match interview. Following widespread criticism and protests from community members, players, employees, public figures, and company, the company reduced his ban to six months and restored his prize money, while asserting that the company's Chinese interests had no influence on his decision. So, I mean, including some other people interviewed Brack a little bit. I'm not going to read all this stuff, as I encourage you to just go read those interviews, especially PC Gamers, because Brack opens up most of those. But he does, with the interview with James Duggan and Matt Kim also uh, reported on this Duggan at IGN. Duggan. Uh, I think there's confusion about how publishing games works in China, Brack said. We're not legally allowed to publish our games in China. We must have a partner, in this case, NetEase. Uh, that one, he also said, this has been a nightmare for everyone involved. That's a little... It's a more of a nightmare for other people, Blizzard, not necessarily you, but sure. Uh, in the GameSpot interview with J- or Jordan Remy, he said that they did apologize to Blitzchung. It's They did not really mention that, but he confirms that regardless of what Blitzchung said, a political statement would get you banned. So if you were to go up there and be like, LBGT rights, supposedly Blizzard would have to ban you. We'll see about that. And on <laughs> PC Gamer, Steve Metzger's had a quote from Brack. That's correct. The content was not the problem. It was, in fact, it was not about the game in question. It was about something very specifically different. I think, and I don't want to speculate about if he said this, that, or the other, or how it would have gone. I think it's a difficult thing to think about, but it's not about the content of the message. There are many people that are supportive of, of him and his message. Did you watch the actual... Apologies. Uh, it was happening right when we ended Games Daily on Friday, and right, I, right when we finished, Greg pulled it up and had it playing mm-hmm. in the back. So I, I heard it all. Mm-hmm. What did you think? You know, they're in a tough spot, and I, I feel like it's very easy to 
not, not even pick apart because it's not picking apart. It's not nitpicking. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to look at and be like, oh, well, they should have said this or why did they say that instead of this or whatever. I think that they they did an okay job. Right. I think they could have done a better job. I think they could have done a worse job. I think they did what they did from a PR perspective. It was smart because what they did is they made an apology that, one, from an apology perspective, it sucked of actually showing remorse for your actions, of identifying the problem, and identifying the solutions you plan to institute. Mm -hmm. Granted, you can't do all that on BlizzCon stage. So I understand why they didn't immediately say, here's our five-point agenda for how this is never going to happen. But they also didn't say what they were apologizing for. They basically said, our tough esports problem. They might as well have said, we had a heated gamer moment. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't say Blitzchung, Blitzchung's name. They didn't prop interviews later of saying, we apologize to him. They didn't say that on screen. Like, yeah. They didn't say, we're sorry about this. Because they know that if they had said that, their partner Nettie's would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, which is uh, furthering yeah. the issue with this whole situation. Yes. And in one of those, they said, we didn't approve that Blizzard message. You didn't say the one from China. The mm-hmm. one from China that said, Dig- we, this harmed the dignity of our nation and all yeah. that. Like, you didn't say that in your letter. You didn't say we didn't approve that China message. Yeah. Maybe if you had, we wouldn't. The people wouldn't have taken it as so insincere. Mm-hmm. Like they are caught between a rock and a hard place. Absolutely. But they're choosing to stay there and being like, "This is fine. We're totally comfortable here. Don't worry about us. We're sorry we have to be here, but we're like, we're not gonna wor- work too hard to get our well- way out of it." The interviews uh, from BlizzCon, I think, are the things that are a bit more problematic of them doubling down on this whole, like, hey, man, we would have we done this if anybody said anything. It's like, oh, that's not the stance to take yeah. here, guys. Like, Which, because people are going to test that now. Yeah, I know. It's like, that. The, you, that's the problem, is these things just feed ammo into to people's hands that are against you. And right. you're causing a, a rift to make more people against you yes. by making these decisions. We have a very heated presidential election coming up this coming year like people are going to say like well i support bernie sanders for president like of, of course they're going to like there may be some people are going to say i support donald trump for president that's also problematic from that perspective are they going to ban for that are they going to say i support lbgt rights is a comment that is worthy of a ban is someone saying i think blizzard's in the right for what they do ban worthy hmm. like interesting because <laughs> now we're gonna see uh, Borzen00 says, good morning, Greg and Tim, because Greg did not announce that I'm hosting t- this w- today. Uh, Blizzard went all out. Oh, by the way, Borzen, he wrote a thing on the subreddit. It was yeah, like, I, was, I was about to bring it up. He was saying that he got a new, a new job. He I got think a new job. So he's not going to be able to watch live every day anymore. Yeah. But hey, yeah. we love you, man. Well, yeah, thanks Congrats. so much for being a part of the community in the chat all this time. Blizzard went all out this past weekend making some of the best video game trailers I've ever seen. Seriously, I cried at that Overwatch 2 trailer. But the event was marred by two events, the leaks and the half-apology. My question today is about this half-apology and some things I've been asking people out of pure curiosity. These questions are, did they have to say the words Hong Kong and Blitzchung for the people to know that it is what, what they were apologizing for? And while the apology was corporate jargon, did the emotions behind the words count for something? Jalen Brack sounded like he was on the edge of tears to me and personally and sounded way more sincere than Todd Howard's Fallout 76 apology. I know both of you are not Blizzard fans, but I feel like these two questions are good for any situation. And also ask what it is people will have to do to gain trust in Blizzard once again. God, this is – it's so it, multifaceted and there's so much that goes into it. I, I think about all of the YouTube apology videos. Right. Right? And 
so many of them are so easy to laugh at and they feel so fake, mm-hmm. right? But how do you make a real one? You know, how when when something bad happens, how do you apologize and appease people? Because that's what you're doing it for. Right. You're you're trying to tell people your side of a story and have them understand and sympathize with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all been there in different ways. I feel like it was kind of funny. I've been there multiple times uh, it, with different situations of having to uh, apologize or explain myself. Right. And it's it's hard, and you don't ever win everyone over, and I don't think that that's necessarily the goal either, but it, it gets difficult, especially when I feel like there's a societal drive to, like, point and laugh and tear things down mm-hmm. so so easily and, like, be ready to make fun of the way that they're looking or, like, oh, he, he looked like he was on the verge of tears. Like, how fake is that? Like, you could read through. I'm not saying Borson's saying that. I'm saying I've seen other right. people say that. And it's like the the same speech said by the same person could be read by different people so many different ways depending on what their agenda is going into it, right? Yeah. It's so fucking difficult, especially on that that stage, especially on that level where when are the most people happy? And I don't know where that line is. It's clearly not here. Right. They clearly needed to go a little bit farther than this, but... It helps that he looks like a sincere person. He does not look like a corporate package CEO. Like, if he, if he was out there wearing a suit and tie, had, like, his hair cut and all that stuff, he looks like a guy who would be running Blizzard, who runs a studio for gamers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, the actual content of his speech, the more I thought about it, the more pissed off I get. It was absolutely not. He says, Burton mentioned, should he have said the words Hong Kong and Blitzchung? Is it important that he said that? Yes. Because it does show you are not afraid of the consequences of your remorse. Mm -hmm. That you are able to say these things because you know you messed up. And you can, you plan to make good on it. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact that he couldn't actually articulate what they were sorry for, to me, he knows. I'm sure he absolutely oh, yeah. knows the exact no. reasons that they messed up. Yeah. But it's if you can't say that out loud on a stage and not be afraid of, oh, but how does this hurt our bottom line? Mm-hmm. Then you are still worrying about that bottom line first and foremost. I mean, if anything, the speech here just backed up their their statement. Right. Right. And I feel like. Whether or not we agree with it, I mm-hmm. think that was their goal, and I think that they they accomplished that. I I think their goal is now when every because I got this on Twitter as well when I started complaining about it. Now when any everyone anyone calls them out on it, of like, hey, why haven't you? Why didn't you undo the bans on the commentators? Why didn't you? You know all this stuff. Like, why haven't you actually made good on this? Why is it still going on? Why was the BlizzCon apology the only thing you've really said about it? Yeah, people are gonna be like, hey, they apologized. Like, yeah. they've talked about it. It's done. Why are you still talking about it yourself? Yeah. You seem like someone who's very hung up on one issue. And again, I bring up the, the 8chan AMA thing with THQ Nordic, because if you're still talking about it six months later, people are like, hey, this is a long time ago. Why do you still keep... Like, they're still trying to do other things. Everyone else has moved on. Why haven't you? This gets them to that... Like, this gets their foot in that door. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the goal of this from a PR perspective, from a corporate crisis perspective, is to get people to go, you know what? Maybe I'm not happy about what they've done, but at least they've acknowledged it. At least they're not trying to think, at least they don't think we're idiots. Yeah. And then they started with that. Then they went to Diablo 4. Then they went to Overwatch 2. And that's why I packaged this for race the way I did. Because I was still like, I don't know that I can like these games after, because they're still doing the same bullshit. But other people were like, holy shit, Overwatch 2. Holy shit, Diablo 4. They're, it's kind of what I assumed that was going to happen is 
what have you done with for me lately? And have you announced two cool games? Yeah. It's complicated because what do we want them to do? Not announce the games yeah. at their event? That's silly. Right. You know, and it's like, yes, they definitely structured this in a way to minimize blowback, but I can't blame them for that. Yeah. I just wish that their apology was a bit stronger. Again, I don't think they could have said or done anything that would make us go, oh, shit, they did it. But it could have been better than this. But again, like I said earlier, it could have been worse. They did the right thing, but not the right thing. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, People, I was surprised that there were only protests outside. There weren't that many people like in the audience or anything like that protesting. So I wonder if it was just the issue, issue of the most hardcore want to go in and see that keynote. Mm-hmm. And everyone else who didn't, like they're still angry at Blizzard, were fine with staying outside. I mean, I think that there's also a big gap of like who plays games and who cares about politics. And where's that Venn diagram crossover, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's a ton of people that don't give a crap, don't understand any of this. Whether or not it's about human rights, they don't care. Right. They just want to play their games. There's a lot of people like that, you yeah. know? Speaking of separating games and politics, in the future, Hideo Kojima says his studio will make films. That's a joke about Dan Riker. This is from Kotaku by Brian Ashcraft. For a guy who says that 70% of his body is made of mo- movies, this seems like it's been a long time coming. In a 26-minute PBC documentary on the making of Death Stranding, Hideo Kojima reveals this inevitability. In the future, Hideo Kojima, produ- or Kojima Productions will start making films, Kojima said. I hadn't seen the second part of this quote, and this is baffling to me. If a person can do one thing well, then they should be able to do anything well. I assume that's mistranslated. <laughs> I assume that you are wrong with that <laughs> assumption. Kojima did not clarify when the studio will start making films. Kotaku reached out to Kojima Productions but did not hear prior to publication. I think within the next three to four years, everything will start moving to streaming, games, movies, and TV shows. We're pretty much there with TVs and TV shows and movies. When that happens, Kojima continues, movies, TV shows, and games will be competing in the same space. Kojima is interested in the type of entertainment that they inevitably arise from this competition. Considering how long the cutscenes in Kojima games have been and how much he loves movies, it might seem odd that he hasn't made a motion picture already. It, yeah. It is 100% I was wondering when he would do this. Here's the thing for me. Mm-hmm. All jokes aside about his games being movies and all this stuff, yeah. I think that that element is where Kojima shines the most. Right. Nobody uses a camera in video games like Kojima. And I think that besides when that's problematic, because there are a lot of moments of that being the case. Death Stranding Chapter 3. Um, I'm talking about just the... Think about Ground Zeroes, mm-hmm. Right. That whole intro where you're in the the truck going in and then the way that the camera's moving where you can still control the camera, but no matter where you're looking, something interesting is happening and it's building the world. I absolutely love it. And I feel like the way that the cutscenes are directed is, is phenomenal and is special and different compared to any other game that we've seen. Right. Um, I feel like a two-hour runtime will force him to make more sense. Yes. And I think that that is the most advantageous thing possible to Kojima's storytelling is to condense things. There's these brilliant ideas. Focus on those ideas. Focus on those characters. They're definitely brilliant concepts. As I'm trying to think how I can rephrase this, in a, as someone who had just finished Death Stranding, a lot of those camera shots are straight up like, look at the character. Mm-hmm. The character is looking at you talking. A weird amount of camera in that game is straight up just shot, reverse shot. And also the writing in that game. At some point in that game, the subtext just literally becomes text. Characters will outright. I, you didn't get this cut. Uh, yeah, I'm mainly talking about Metal Gear. Okay. To be fair, 
I will also get to Metal Gear in a second, but in Death Stranding, there's a character that wears a mask. At a point, he outright just starts talking about how masks are not really physical items always. Masks can be things that we wear on our personalities and to guard ourselves. It is all the things Persona 5 was or Persona 5 was trying to say, but didn't outright say. Death Stranding just straight up says. So like, and that's not the only example. There's plenty yeah. of examples yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. But I also think he kind of loses something by not being a game for his writing. Because one thing Kojima that is missing in Death Stranding in, compared to Metal Gear is that it's not enough Kojima weird. And there are things about Kojima games. Like, it's all, this is one thing in Death Stranding. It's in that and uh, Metal Gear Solid. At the end of Metal Gear Solid 3, you get an option to... Or not an option. You, Snake stands over Big Boss. You have to kill her. You're standing over her with the gun. The boss. Press, yeah, or the boss. Yeah. Stand over with the gun. says, press square to shoot. Mm-hmm. You could stand there forever. Yeah. The game does not proceed until you press square to shoot. You can't do that with a movie. Yeah. So, but that's my thing is that that moment is a uniquely beautiful video game moment of good storytelling and gaming. Right. I think those are fairly rare. Mm-hmm. And I think that, take that aside, Kojima would be good at making a movie if without those elements. If he didn't need to worry about those elements, because I think that they're way too few and far between, even his, in his own games. Mm-hmm. A perfect example being Metal Gear Solid 4, the, the Raiden fight, Raiden vs. Vamp, where it's like, we just watch it instead of playing it. Right. It's still cool to watch, but because we play other parts, it makes you feel like, why didn't I get to play that too? Mm-hmm. You know, with taking that out of it and just designing a thing that you're watching for however long that is just about that stuff, just about the cool stuff, I think he could pull it off. Yeah, if he can, if it's a love letter to the movies he likes, mm-hmm. I can see that. I think La La Land. Yeah, all those stuff is all that stuff is great. The when he starts trying to pour out his so the long and short of Death Stranding story is that Kojima is very sad, and the that's basically the the full like take away everything about oh this is a weird world this is a like interesting concept but what is this world building getting to the idea is he's just sad mm-hmm. and that's the long and short of it and it kind of goes for 40 hours about that i think when you take it down to two hours when he starts self-editing or he gets hopefully another editor to look at it too then great it is a it it could be a far more interesting thing that is more concise i would love to see how they plan to do movies is he going to make a cg movie is he going to grab actors and emotion capture them is he literally just gonna is he making a traditional movie I imagine it'll be the motion capture thing. Mm-hmm. I think that what he's talking about here is wanting to do a traditional movie. Well, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Pull some Final Fantasy Spirits Within kind of thing. Yeah. But I think that, that they have the potential to make that better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will, but you know I, this excites me. Yeah. If you were a, let's say you're a Microsoft or a Sony or even like a Ubisoft or mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. who has a lot of money, would you, Kojima says, I want to make a movie. I'm not going to make a game next time. Would you bankroll that movie for your exclusive console? No. no? Kevin says no? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think like a movie for a console doesn't necessarily make sense. They've done it before. Like, they've yeah. said, like, Powers like, is that, exclusive to PlayStation Network. Or... Yeah. That was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that people just don't want to watch movies that way. Right. You know, like, they, they, they won't do it. I mean, Microsoft has done it before. Like, even, like, the Halo TV. Is that still happening? The Halo TV show? No, I, I... I know they cast some people recently, but you're wrong to tell us. Yeah. I don't think, it, like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they lost everyone that was working on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it'll happen, I swear. I mean, there's a PlayStation Productions movie thing right now. Yeah, like, PlayStation Studios. Theoretically, this if could, you wanted to bankroll it. Yeah. 
I just still want the Metal Gear movie to happen. Yes. I Jordan Vote Roberts, let's go. <laughs> Wasn't a hater part of that at some point? Like as I mean, there's a, a lot of conversation about yeah. like it I wouldn't be surprised if that game or if that movie just happens one day. Like is announced and it's a kind of like the dream setup that right. we've been seeing all the fan stuff for. But Yeah. I would I feel like Konami should just sell their IPs to movie rights at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make a fucking Castlevania movie. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. let's see what happens with that thing. Mm-hmm. I would love it. Just was it, uh, the Castlevania show is fantastic. Fantastic. I want to see. No, when I say let's make a Castlevania movie, I'm thinking of the worst possible thing. The show is great. I am thinking of like a. I like that. I like that one bit. Who is the guy who Uwe Boll? Uwe Boll. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mi- see him make a fucking terrible movie. Yeah. Because like we have good games, we have a good TV show. Why not just make something that sucks? Just shit? fuck it up. You know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> Shenmue 3 will not be the end of the series, the director says. This is from IGN by Liz Lanier. Shenmue 3 won't be the end of the game series, according to director Yu Suzuki. Speaking with PlayStation Blog, Suzuki revealed he wants to continue Ryo's story in more games, as it would feel too rushed to to finish his journey in the upcoming third installment. The series will not end with Shenmue 3, Suzuki says. Rushing to tie up the plot here would have made for a flat game. And I hope to continue the series as long as people are interested. The news might come as a bit disappointing, as a bit of a surprise for fans of the series, as Shenmue 3 itself is the first new game in the series in 18 years. As if that long enough, we're not a long enough delay for Shenmue fans, the planned release of the game in August was delayed later in, or for later in the month of November. So they've said this before, I think around E3, he mentioned, yeah, we're only about 40% through the story. I think this is an insane thing to say before the release of this game. Mm-hmm. I know he needs to, because when that game ends and it's not you killing Londi, yeah. like... There's people are gonna be like, okay, what the fuck? Why is this not over? We've waited so long to finish this. Do you think he should just be like, I don't care if it's flat. We need to just get this thing done. I don't know. I mean, he's speaking to the fans, right? Like, mm-hmm. th- who gives a shit about this besides the people that are excited for three and right. excited for four and five and six and whatever it is, right? I we'll see how three does. I'm not expecting it to uh, do great, but is it gonna do well enough? Is it going to do enough to make more? Right. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, like, there's a pent-up amount of frustration and desire for Shenmue 3 when that Kickstarter was announced. That it ended up raising $6 million, or kind of funny.com slash year wrong can tell us the exact number. But it ended up raising so much money because people really wanted, okay, we've been waiting since the cliffhanger ending of Shenmue 2. Please tell us what happens. What's next? How does Ryo get in this journey? And for him to go, like, okay, here's what's next. Now... Wait for Shenmue 4, kickstarter.com slash Shenmue 4. Like, you know, like, is he going to be able to raise $6 million and then find another publishing deal and all that jazz? Or is it going to be, hey, Sega, can you just bankroll this from the get-go? I imagine that will be the the goal. Or like 505 Games or Deep Silver or whoever. Whoever, yeah. Like, that would be ideal for him. It's just, can you just give us, like, $50 million to get this done? Mm -hmm. And... I question whether or not that's possible because why not end it with three? Like that seems like such a silly move. I, from a writer's perspective, I can understand why he's not doing that. Because like I have he in his head, I think he said nine parts to Shenmue, or however much he wanted a lot. Great. Shenmue two was supposed to be not a like it was supposed to be just the beginning of the story kind of thing. Like the it didn't work out that way. It did not work out that way. <laughs> but he wants more to this. If he's saying 40% now at Shenmue 3, then we're looking, yeah, around eight, nine parts of that game. 
Not a fucking chance in hell. No, there's there's no way. <laughs> Even very successful game series that have sold millions and millions of copies and are owned as first-party IPs do not get to nine parts to tell a story. No way. So few games have had nine parts. Right. Especially when they are sequels that, of a narrative. Like, I don't think there is an example of that. Yeah, uh, most of the ones I can think of are an anthology series. Yeah. Like, there are some that are, like, kind of loosely connected or whatever, but, like, no, nine parts is very difficult. And they're very, like, you have to make new assets because no one's going to want to play Shenmue 4 that's, that's the same environment from Shenmue they will, 2. They <laughs> The Shenmue fans will. Yeah. Whether everyone else was a totally different <sighs> No question. one else is playing Shenmue 3 either, so it doesn't matter. I'm interested to see the sales of that game. Yeah. Because, like, there are backstarters, but also there was that Epic Games Store thing where, like, mm-hmm. it didn't, a lot of people were pissed off and, like, who knows who's... Who is showing up for Shenmue 3 is my question. It's a Shenmue fan base for sure. But beyond that, who is the audience? And will they show up for Shenmue 4 for the same amount of money or whatever? It's another question. But Shenmue 4, Tim, is so far away. If I wanted to know what's coming up to the mom and grab shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Before you get to that. Oh, let me tell you about our sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. We are brought to you by Hims. You heard us talk about Hims and how they're helping guys look their best. And if you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about, just like Andy and Nick did. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. And once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. It's time to get a handle on those precious locks, just like Kevin. Look at him. Beautiful boy. Uh, this Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. The solution is 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. Uh, no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. This could save you hours. They keep it simple. They keep it easy. Uh, this Thanksgiving, when your relative says healthy and full, they'll finally be talking about your hair and not the turkey. <laughs> uh, you guys can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today. Right now, while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval, you can see the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy somewhere else. Go to 4 slash games daily. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash games daily. 4 slash games daily. Oh, here we go, guys. This one, Manscaped. I am reading ahead of the copy here, and it's all making me already making me giggle. Uh, support for Kind of Funny Games Daily comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. <laughs> Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. Uh, it's time to gear Finally. up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Here's the thing. I've been using this, and mm. boom. My balls have never looked better. I saw you look down. I saw where you were looking. You, uh, you can't not look. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Greg Miller, <laughs> he's now manscaped. Uh, there's a bat, si- bat signal in his <laughs> in his chest. You can see pictures <laughs> on Twitter.com slash Game Over Greggy. Uh, manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes the perfect gift this holiday season. It's everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just
just nasty. Uh, speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Uh, these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. Uh, tis the season of Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. Uh, that's 20% off with your free shipping and manscaped, at manscaped.com and use code GAMES. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud. <laughs> I've been waiting so long for my balls to thank me. <laughs> Out today, Hexagon is out on PC. It Will Find You is out on Scary. PC. Mars Power Industries is out on PC and Mac. And I Will Eat You is out on PC. Uh, we saw, apparently, Witta and them looked at that last week. It's about a bear that will eat you. A bear will eat you. You get yeah. to be the bear. To be the bear, you got to beat the bear. I like that It Will Find You and I Will Eat You are both out today. They're a little late for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Just a couple days. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, but. name a more iconic couple. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. New dates. Reborn as Samurai Awakens, a July 2017 announced first person shooting and combat game from Pixel Gear developer Geronimo Interactive will launch for PlayStation VR on November 5th for $14.99. Deal of the day. Tom or Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint for PS4 is out is $40, $39.99 on Amazon and Best Buy today. Our reader mail this today was almost entirely about BlizzCon. I read Borzins, so I think we're good on that. Uh, squad up! Brian Parker wants you to squad up with him and other uh, wants other kind of funny best friends to squad up with him on Xbox, PS4, and PC because he wants to play Call of Duty. His Xbox tag is Discreet Mayhem, but his Activision ID is Discreet Mayhem, two words, D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E, space, mayhem, M-A-Y-H-E-M, Pound sign, 1455938. The mayhem, pound sign, and number are all one word. Since Modern Warfare is cross-platform, I am looking for any members of the KFGD community to squad up for some co-op and multiplayer. So if you want some squad up, and go up there and play some Call of Duty with mayhem. Uh, let's check kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where people have told us what we've gone wrong, run wrong through the show. Uh, Diablo 3 came out in May 15, 2012. Okay, 2012. So, yeah, seven years was like a long time to keep apologizing for that color stuff. Overwatch 2 will just turn into, over, or Overwatch 1 will just turn into Overwatch 2 at some point. So that's what it'll say on the Blizzard launcher. Does that mean that if you buy, or if you already own Overwatch 1, you just own Overwatch 2? I assume that can't be true. I, I, I'm curious how they do that. <laughs> uh, Halo TV it's series. Into, yeah, and I like that. That's cool. <laughs> Halo TV series still alive as of August, coming apparently 2021. It's not. No, we'll see. Uh, Gio Corsi announced today on Twitter he's left PlayStation. Yeah, crazy, man. Yeah, I saw that this morning. I didn't know that like there was enough information to really have a story about it. That seems like a Greg thing where he's going to freak out about what's going on at Sony. Did he already leave? No. Oh, uh, I'm thinking someone else. Yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of people who've left. Corsi was the build the list guy. I actually credit him for... Uh, bringing Yakuza, making it popular in America, honestly. Yeah, I know, yeah, for reals. Uh, we have his, his jersey somewhere. Oh, did we have that PlayStation jersey? Yeah. yeah. That thing is tight. Like, yeah. not, like that thing's actually, like, super cool looking. It's, yeah, it's we, framed. We yeah, just we have a big frame, frame. frame up. Dan <laughs> 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 uh, Rollis22 says, wouldn't Kingdom Hearts count as a free franchise that has nine parts of counting? It would. 
It would. There's a lot of spinoffs, so I'm not sure. I I still count them though. I mean, like that's. Oh fuck that! Nobody should count Ken. I mean, it's it's like we start, get, start getting into like God of War stuff. Of do we count the PSP games? We would. Mm. God of War PS P games are all canon. Right? They are right. right? Yeah, no, we. Were, like I I would count that. Gear. I'd count God of War as. Mm. That works. But so does Kingdom Hearts. They're all canon, too. Yeah. Yeah, but Kingdom Hearts sucks. <laughs> oh, no, Kevin, no. <laughs> I was does. thinking today that it w- the way I will know this is a, a bad year for video games is if I'm making my top 10 list and Kingdom Hearts 2 is above 10. I think it'll be 10. But if it's oh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Or Kingdom Hearts 3, yeah. Gotcha, sorry. gotcha. Is Acid yeah. canon? Yeah. Acid is canon, yeah. So oh. the, the, the snake at the end of our Acid is possibly a solid snake clone. They, it's that's I the never, way they're hinting. I it. never played it. Acid's not canon. Yes, no, it's so, not. so by canon, it can, acid is not canon. It can fit in the story, but it's not a thing Kojima necessarily. Canon. Like if you ask him to make a canon right, so list that's, of that's not how canon. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not because Peace either. Walker and and uh, Portable Ops are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like Acid. I, I thought Acid one was fine. I bought Acid two just because I, I love Metal Gear Solid three so much. Mm-hmm. All I ever did with that game was watch the Metal Gear Solid three cutscenes in three D. Oh yeah. Because, like, they had that, like, yeah. solid eye viewer. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, shit, this is so cool. And I don't think I ever played the game. Like, I own it. I never picked it up. <laughs> Acid is not canon. You're wrong, says. Okay, so it, it could connect. It is not. Ground Zero has basically said Acid I'm was not canon. it could. It's yeah. not. It's out. <laughs> uh, there, there's that, that thing of, like, in Ground Zero is when you look at certain games and M- Miller says, don't pay attention to that one. That's fine for most of those games. I don't like when they said they want Metal Gear Rising. Not because Metal Gear Rising should be canon. I don't care if it is, but that game fucking rocks. It does. It's so different, though. It is very I different. When I it love came it. Out, I was like, "What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> Hack and slash?" Yeah, and that game kicks so much out. too. What's the other one? The survival or Metal Gear Survive? Metal Gear Survive. Survive? Actually, yeah. who decides canon now? Canon would be decided by Konami. <laughs> so great. theoretically, Metal Gear Survive is completely canon. No, it's, but it's not. The whole conceit of that game is that it's not canon. It, it's from a portal multiverse, right? Yeah. So, so oh, it I guess happened. you're right. The multiverse could be canon. It happened. Jesus. It exists. Jesus. Uh, real quick, I wanted to bring this up. This is super, super old. Yeah, we, um, we've, talked since, we've talked about it. Before, I know, yeah. but since we didn't uh, have too much reader mail, I just want to extend this just a little bit longer. <laughs> sure, let's get the hour count. I want this so fucking, bad. Fucking buy it, dude. I I'm, want it too. Well, so yeah. I'm gonna buy it for sure. Oh yeah. I'm Big debating which one to get though. And here's here's my problem. Mm-hmm. Scroll down, Kev. I'm going. Damn, this looks so good though. It's beautiful. So there's the white and the black. Keep going down more. I want a better picture of the white. Um, I love. Th- okay, you can go up, and I think yeah, go right. <laughs> what, what, what do you? <laughs> <laughs> the worst scrolling possible. Okay. There was a glimpse of the white. <laughs> There's so many pictures online of the white. Why is this site bad at? Okay, that's uh, good. Yeah, you can, yeah, leave, yeah, it. You can yeah, leave it here. That white looks so hot. Yeah. Like, I love it so much, but I hate yeah, portable is- things where uh, the, the bezel is white against a black screen right i like when it just kind of like it looks like there's Seems. no best i mean this one all. looks like it goes edge to edge right no or, no no there's there's quite a chin and okay border, yeah border around it all but so. man this the screenshots like i follow them on on twitter and look how nice the oh, yeah. quality looks like they're saying that this is the nicest screen in handheld gaming history this looks super good like i mean, i'm super excited to play this thing or like just hold this thing in my hand I want yeah this so bad it's fucked up 
<laughs> yeah, it like, looks great. And like, here's the thing: them putting Tetris on it is like, yeah, man, buy this little Tetris machine that's sexy and beautiful, and you can play Tetris <laughs> any fucking time you want. I mean, there was a thing during kind of uh, kind of funny extra life. Greg really wanted to play a Terminator Game Boy game. Yeah, we could do it. We couldn't find the game, which granted would not like fit fit this well. But did, with this thing in the dock, did they check over there? I don't know that we actually checked. I don't know that I we don't tried know that, that we hard. Actually tried, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I really want to do we this. We had the Retron Five, yeah, I, Retron Five, which plays GBA games. Okay, and GB games, and GB games. Yeah, so we which this would have made it more convenient. GB. But so my. My thing with the black also, one is... Also, like, we could have just figured out a way to find it. You know what I mean? But what's up? My thing with the black one is look at that with the cart in. Uh-huh. All the ga- Game Boy games have different colors occasionally. Yeah. But for the most part, they're, you know, got kind of gray, whitish cart. I think that looks bad. Yeah, it doesn't look great with the with the black. Right. But I, with the white, it's going to look I, yeah, off. I, don't, I think it'll look worse. Like, God fucking damn, what a dumb design. <laughs> can I just click on these? All yes, right, you can just click on the, those. God. Go to the one with the Tetris color version. Hey, this is really... I'm, Can I'm you hit not. left and right or no? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of alternatives, I yeah. guess. Lots of options on this one. Go over. There we go. God, look how hot that looks. That looks so nice. So my ultimate issue of I'm going to buy this, put two games in it, be like, this is a really cool thing, and then never touch it again. Oh, 100%. But here's the thing. Tetris is good forever. This is one of the best games. Kevin's made making of a solid time. point that this could just be your Tetris. Absolutely. Tetris device. What, right. what are you doing? What, what is that? Oh, it's the thing I use to play Tetris. Give it over here. <laughs> yeah. I'm to play some Tetris. Yeah. There are people who only stick to certain versions of Tetris. Like, I know a number of professional Tetris players that only pay or play in their free time Tetris Battle Guide for the Super Famicom. Wow. Because that's the one they love the most. Yeah. So I could definitely see that being like some people only play the Game Boy version. Gotta love it. I, I do think that uh, old Tetris, not great Tetris. You know? yeah, there are cer- they start expanding on certain rules, like infinite spin is a thing a lot of Tetris games can do now. Yeah. Well, not, I, I don't think infinite, is it? Is, isn't there so, usually a cutoff? There's, I think the way it works now is there's a cutoff for infinite spin. There was a point where there was a, you could infinite spin forever. On older versions, like... Ones that came out last generation, then Tetris Company changed the rules again. Yeah, because that seems like a huge mistake. Like that, you could look at the next five drops and be like, "All right, well, these are where I'm going to put these in infinite spin until right." Yeah, I mean, who knows? I I don't offhand have the Tetris rules right now. I know there's some that people don't <laughs> like. All right, tomorrow, or for actually for the rest of this week, we're kind of funny games daily. Tomorrow it is me and Greg. Wednesday it is Greg and Fran, who I think is still walking back sadly from his. Hide and seek. What happened there? I mean, everyone's just so mean to Fran. <laughs> Is, he went. We didn't intend to be mean to Fran. It just sort of happened. He went to go play hide and seek, or you know, yeah, the search. Find Mirabella. Called Searchlight. I made it up. Yeah, it's a good show. It was a good segment. Um, so he went out, and then did you guys then, legitimately forget about him? No, nobody forgot about him. They got a call from Andrea Renee, and then another call from John. We and had to pitch the Watto game. You don't. You only get so many chances. Earlier, and they had this long bit prepared, and they were kind of talking about it. <laughs> prepared is an interesting word. But like, in the sense <laughs> that, like, oh, we're gonna pitch something to John. Yes. And Anthony Carboni was phenomenal. <laughs> he just he nailed the like side guy of that pitch thing so well. But Fran was just out at the wrong time. <laughs> 
<laughs> we forgot about him. And it's again, no one forgot. <laughs> I forgot. He, uh, well, yeah, but you, you, you know, how drunk were you at that point? Mm-hmm. I think so. Was, so okay, he was out there. But my question is, like, did he come back? Yeah, yeah. He was out there for like we minutes. we found him. Oh, it's just okay, we found him okay. during the John Drake yeah, phone we, call. We found him during the John Drake phone call. Greg just like found it like two seconds. It was like he's right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. So like, Fred, come back in. So it wasn't like a fun game of like finding Fred. I was like, all right. Gotcha, oh yeah, gotcha. Fred's right here. All gotcha. Right. Gotcha. I just I felt because watching the clip of sad Fran walking back, I was like, oh man, did we like hurt his feelings? Because like I love fucking with Fran. I don't want to hurt his feelings. Right. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be shocked if we hurt his feelings. That that seemed really like. So to be fair, Fran also would not put his hair on the line for donations. <laughs> His hair on the line. So he, oh, he did no. say he would shave his eyebrows, but not his hair. Oh, my God. Which apparently eyebrows can just not grow back if yeah. they get plucked. So now I regret actually putting my th- thing on the line. But I only put it but on it the line. It sounds like that's if they get waxed. Then yeah. you have some huge problems. You but, like, it. normally you're fine. Sure. Hopefully. We, would, like, leave, we would leave stubble. Yeah. You know? God. I, all right, God, who's on Wednesday? I'm so happy that people didn't walk out of here without eyebrows. <laughs> I'm so happy. It, it's not a thing I'm going to repeat for next year. Wednesday, it is well, Greg we'll and Fran. If enough money gets there, right? <laughs> we'll see. Thursday is me and Greg again. Again, Friday, it is you and Greg. And Gamescast, this week, it is me, Greg, Fran, and you, Sir Ooh. Tim Geddes, hosting. Exciting time. All right. This has been Kind of Funny Games Daily for November 4th, Monday, 2019. Mm-hmm. Tim, thank mm-hmm. you for coming. Thank, thank you. Thank you all for watching. Uh, uh.